0: This is At Your Cervix, the podcast, the podcast where pelvic health physiotherapists Emma Brockwell and Gronja Donnelly talk to incredible guests who help lift the lid and bust the myth on all things pelvic health. Hello and welcome back to Series 1, Episode 8 of At Your Cervix, the podcast. I'm Emma Brockwell, Pelvic Health Physiotherapist, and one of two of your co-hosts. Today, we're talking to the rather lovely Heather Sellers about her journey from elite triathlete to mum of twins, her encounters with pelvic health issues, and what her future holds for her as a mum and aspiring elite runner.
1: We really hope you enjoy it. Heather, Emma and I are delighted to have you here today a mom of twin boys.
2: Yep, that's right, Harry and George.
1: Harry and George, a mom of twin boys who are 18 months old. We are really excited to talk to you about your experience as an elite athlete and how pelvic health came into your considerations, what you knew about pelvic health previously, why you ended up getting to know about it and yeah, let's let the discussion unfold. Well, tell us about your pregnancy,
3: first of all. So was it an active pregnancy? Was it was um, was it, was it a, a good,
2: comfortable, low-risk pregnancy? So I didn't realise I was having twins until the 12-week scan, which was a massive shock to us, seeing as there was no twins in the family whatsoever. Um, but a nice shock. Um, so obviously, with a twin pregnancy, you're twice the size. So I wanted to carry on running for as long as I could. However, obviously, and I'd seen other athletes being able to run pretty much the whole way through pregnancy. So I thought like, that's fine. Other athletes can do it. I can do it. However, I got to about nearly, not even 20 weeks and I had to stop running. So I was quite, I was devastated at the time because I thought, well, I'm never going to get back. fit And I've still got a long way to go with the pregnancy and I've got to stop running now. But that was my body telling me that I couldn't carry on anymore. Um, however, I did stay active. I went swimming a little bit, and I walked every single day, um, right up until I was in. I was induced, so I was in the hospital for three days, and I even made my husband do three laps of the hospital with me just to keep me sane, <laughs> the athlete in inside me.
1: I love that. I was going to say, and what a way to it really help encourage labor. So that's that's excellent. <laughs> yeah. um and what basically what was the reason you stopped running at twenty weeks? So I felt really
2: uncomfortable Um also worries going through my head as well as am I doing damage to to myself am I doing damage to the babies um, and it was mainly the uncomfortable and they were really um, sh- quite sh- um, soon on into the pregnancy um one of the twins it was actually George was was quite far down on my pushing on my cervix the whole way through the pregnancy so I constantly had that feeling that I needed to go to the toilet for a wee and all the time so running made that 10 times worse so I just thought right you've got to listen to your body this is this is like you've got to stop now because you're only probably going to do yourself worse.
3: Exercise in a low-risk pregnancy is really effective but you have to listen to your body as you did. And what I love is that, yes, you said you chose to stop the running, but you still remained active and found other ways of exercising. Um, and I just think we need to encourage more and more women to do that, whether they're an elite athlete like yourself or <laughs> or just a just a recreational um, exerciser like myself or, or Um, But it is it is a case of listening and and also talking to your healthcare professionals your midwife your GP did they did they give you much guidance in terms of exercise when you were pregnant
2: um they said obviously it's really good to stay active um but in terms of like running and they weren't really they couldn't really give me much advice on that Mm -hmm. um but I tried everything I tried a running belt um to see if that would help me and everything but I just knew that that was me done at 20 weeks and so to keep me, keep me sane, I just walked every day and did a little bit of swimming. But even swimming, like I couldn't even fit into any swimming <sighs>
1: maternity swimming costumes. I got that big. <laughs> you talked about obviously the main reason you stopped was that you were getting those symptoms and you were feeling just uncomfortable running, and that makes sense with the twin delivery. But you also mentioned the fear factor. What sort of fears did you have? Um,
2: I think I think from the start I was just always a bit worried. Um, every single day about you know like about losing them basically and I thought like with running am I jiggling them up and down too much or uh, all those little thoughts that go around in your head um and am I doing like I've got enough room am I gonna like be squashing them as I'm running and everything so I think just all like little little thoughts just running through my head at the time that's really um, just,
1: common yeah. because Emma and I were actually involved in some research with Dr. Izzy Moore and her team from Cardiff University, and it was to find the experiences of pregnant and postpartum women in reasons why they run or stop running or what health factors contribute to them continuing running. And even during pregnancy, one of the biggest things stopping women running the fear factor it was the that idea that something harmful could happen so it's definitely something that many women are experiencing and um I think you yours case is different because you were uncomfortable anyway and you had you were going to end up stopping but it I always feel for the women who stop purely out of fear whether you know whether there was any need for that we need a lot more research in this area but we know as Emma says that the benefits of exercise are well established and there's something that we want to maintain women doing um Tell us about the birthing experience and, yeah, the becoming a mum. Oh, it will. It's the best thing ever, being a mum. I absolutely love
2: it. Um, the The birth itself, um, for me, was, wasn't was too traumatic. Um, I ended up being in theatre because George decided to turn around right at the last minute. Um, but thankfully, they managed to get him out with forceps, Um so I didn't have to have a cesarean. I was like, I've got come all this way. I'm not, I'm not going to go in for the cesarean now. But no, it was all, it was all great, and they, they were ha- happy and healthy. So that's good. Um, and then I didn't, I didn't take too long to like recover after. I was a bit sore, but just the, just the
1: usual. It's quite an achievement, a twin delivery, <laughs> um, vaginally. Well done, you.
2: Oh, thank um, you.
1: Yeah, and was pelvic health or doing pelvic floor exercises or postnatal recovery on your mind going into that pregnancy and just in the early days after delivery? So
2: when i I had given birth, I was like, oh, right. So when am I going to start running now? Um, and I, I knew it was going to take a while um, because I had seen seen some things, but I was I wasn't fully aware of how long it would take me. And the struggles that I would get and everything like that, because I just, I, I didn't have the help that that was, was, and I didn't know of the help that was out there available. Um, so what I know now, I so wish I knew when I did, when I'd just given what I'd given birth, because it would have made my life so much easier to, to where I am now.
3: So did you have, did you have any pelvic health issues after you had um, your twins?
2: So I waited the six weeks um as I'd just I'd just seen like that advice online um that the the average is six weeks to start doing any exercise um so then I decided I'll go for a run um because I'd been checked off by the midwife and everything was healed um, because I had stitches so everything was healed and good to go um I remember going out the door um, and I was only doing like one minute on walk for a minute another minute and I remember I got I did the first minute and just constantly had the feeling and needing to wait, and I was like oh gosh like I don't think I'm ready so I'm, I did the next I did the walking for a minute did the next minute same thing so I ended up walking back in tears because I was like no this isn't this is this it like is this going to happen to me for the rest of my life have I damaged my body by doing this and everything but because I didn't have anyone to advise me or I didn't know where to go for the best advice. I I just thought that was it then. Um but obviously it wasn't. <laughs> so did that stop
3: you running or exercising for a long time or did you then just think I'll give it a, I'll give it a couple of weeks and I'll try again or or did you then seek out help?
2: Yeah so I just went online and tried to look for some exercises to do. So there was loads of things on on like YouTube of Of the correct exercises that were safe to do, because I know a lot of doing a lot of ab um, work is bad for um, the gap. Um, So I I had a look at the 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 right YouTube videos to do, and I just did that to give my body a bit more time. Then I tried again, and I still had a little bit of an urge, but it was nowhere near as bad. So I thought, right, well, these exercises must be helping. And as I gradually carried on with those exercises, I kept just seeing a massive improvement and improvement from month on month on. And it did take me a long, long time to get to where I am now. Um, I would say it's only in the, in the past three or four months where I've actually been like, right, I'm back to where I I, I was before. Um, so, and the twins are 18 months now. So I never, never thought it would be this long. I've seen athletes have children before and the, the bat back racing after four months. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Like, um but perseverance and
1: it's got me to where I am now I think it's really fitting that you mentioned the 18 months because one of the things Emma and I are quite passionate about is getting good information there to women today and reframing that idea of the snapback and postnatal recovery because women do have unrealistic expectations and we have to be realistic that our body undergoes 10 months plus of changes so it makes sense that there's going to be a recovery time frame afterwards Diastasis rectus abdominis, which is some abdominal muscle separation that can occur during pregnancy, it's a normal part of pregnancy, especially towards the end. They're, that tissue is supposed to thin and widen. However, it can become more excessive in some women, particularly small petite women who have twin babies, um, would be uh, would find that their tummy muscle. Obviously, the babies are growing and the tummy has to expand. And um, tell us about how you find out about diastasis, how you knew you had it and yeah, what, what input you had then afterwards? So, um, it was
2: about a few months after, so I always knew about it. Um, people had, had, had told me about it. I seen online reading up about it and stuff. Um, but I never knew to the extent of how much I would have it. So I had a big, a big gap at first. Um, And I was, oh, I was devastated about it because I had this like sort of podge that I'd never, ever had before. And I was like, well, I I don't know how to get it. it, I thought I I was going to have it forever. And still to the day, I I can see it. Um, Other people would say I haven't got it anymore, but I still feel I have a tiny little bit. But I'm okay with that now because that's I had twins and they're amazing so I have to I've dealt with that now but at the time when I had this big gap I just thought I'm never gonna like I've seen stories where people have had to have operations and all this I was like oh my gosh is this gonna be me but I think by by doing those exercises and the specific exercises that I did every single day um, and it was only five, five or 10 minutes every single day, but I think that's just made a huge difference and it's just closed the gap up, um, massively, um, to something that I was so self-conscious about, especially as being an athlete. And I was like, I'm never going to be able just the silly things like, I'm never going to be able to just wear shorts and a crop top anymore. I'm going to have to always cover myself up and it's just silly things like that, but it's just what goes through, th- went through my head. Um, but I'm just glad that I've managed to just, per- just persevere with the exercises and and can finally say that it's yeah, I can see a little tiny bit, but my husband would say I'm being silly.
1: <laughs> well, we actually spoke to an episode in episode three, we spoke to Steph Bruce, um, from the yes. USA about diastocysts. So, um, there's a lot of what you're saying echoes what she's saying. It it does have an impact on body image, and that's across the board. The evidence proves that. That's one of the things we definitely know about diastasis. Unfortunately, we need a lot more evidence and research to investigate and understand this a little bit more, but I'm really glad that you've touched on how exercise benefited you, because I often think there's so much conflicting information out there that women are often afraid to move, afraid to exercise, afraid of making one wrong movement. And we have to put it in the context of new moms, especially if you consider you having twin babies, you're going to be busy. You're going to be lifting, squatting, doing deadlifts with kids. Never mind. You know, and so what's the point then going to a gym or doing an exercise session and avoiding certain moves when you're doing them during your day-to-day life? So a lot of our rehab focus and what we understand about is has actually moved to making women strong and making the exercise should replicate what women need to be able to do. But you've done obviously done really, really well in your rehab. And I had uh, sent you the diastasy book um is that the type of information you would have liked to have had earlier on oh 100% if I'd known about um your
2: books um and all that information then it would have helped me so so much and I think I can me as long as it's taken me um and instead of like having to search through loads of videos and And even like question, is this the right thing? Whereas if you've got expert advice, you know you're doing the right thing straight away. And I I just wish I'd had that um, from the start.
1: Well, the collection will be growing because Emma's book is out. Emma, I'm going to let you talk about your book. I'll not do it justice. You go ahead. (laughs) Shameless (laughs) self-promotion. But it's the type of thing that she's touched on that she wished that she had the information. And that's exactly the driver behind your book, which I think is just really fitting, so...
3: Yeah. Um, so I've um, written a book called Why Did No One Tell Me? Um, how to Protect, Heal and Nurture Your Body Through Motherhood. And it's it's really just um, it's 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 a book written with with a little bit of my experience behind it in terms of my own experience as a new mom. Um A little bit like you, Heather, when I first had my baby and my first baby, um, I'm a really keen runner. I'm not obviously an elite runner like you, but I am a really keen runner and I had a really terrible pregnancy. I was really unwell Um, and really keen to get back to running, Returned to running far too soon. Um, This was before I was a pelvic health physio Um, and had numerous pelvic health issues, um, more in terms of a small prolapse. I also had a diastasis as well um and I actually unlike you didn't listen to my body and decided doesn't matter I'm running (laughs) I know (laughs) all the all the things I would just so desperately tell anyone else never to do (laughs) um but you know I was I was still a physio but I was an MSK physio with really really limited knowledge in in this area and um I thought, well, that's what took me into becoming a pelvic health physio. Actually, I thought this is ridiculous. The messages out there are really confusing. I mean, you did incredibly well to find to sift through to find the right information because there's some really poor information out there. Um, and I just thought, right, this is crazy. I don't want someone else to go through what I've gone through, which basically meant I had lots of back pain, so I couldn't run then for 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 a long time after having Oscar, um, and became pelvic health physio and then got offered the opportunity to write a book about you know telling mums what they should be told I think um because this is the big issue that we're just we know there's information we know there's good evidence-based information out there but it's not getting to the mum um in our weird small world of social media it feels like every mum knows about pelvic health um but it turns out that There's millions of mums out there that still don't know that information. So, yes, my book is designed for for any mum. And it will tell you, hopefully, how to protect your body during pregnancy, the good things, the not so good things to do, um, what to experience during delivery and childbirth. um, And then postnatally, how to recover and people that we should be signposting you to so that you can signpost yourself to someone like us pelvic health physios. Um, and it sounds to me like, am I right in saying you haven't seen a pelvic health physiotherapist um, at all since having the twins? You've, you've, you've pretty much independently recovered and rehabilitated yourself.
2: Yeah, um, I haven't seen anyone. Um, uh-huh. Again, I think because I didn't really know that the people those people actual people out there that yeah. specialized in this because no yeah. one had told me yeah. um and I was I'm the first one out of most of my friends to have children so I'm now telling my friends what yeah. I would have wanted to and, and and keep passing on your 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 books and um, information onto them I know one of my friends has just had a baby and she's just she's just about to get back to one and she's following your program so um I, I just want to help help other people because I, I know I didn't have that and it would have
1: helped me a, a lot oh, that's and that's great. the huge issue as you say like there's yeah, we could do with a lot more pelvic health physiotherapists in the UK but even at that we we have services here we have lots of good evidence base within pelvic health physiotherapy and yet there's members of the public like yourself finding out way after that we even exist um, and I guess the issue lies with you know people go to a sports physio for a hamstring tear or back pain and they come away and they tell the next 10 people they met that they went to this physio because they got their hamstring tear sorted nobody comes away from pelvic health physiotherapy and tells someone I went there it was great I had a big prolapse but I got that sorted you know people they're the type of issues that are considered taboo and that people don't talk about can I can I take us away a little bit from
3: the pregnancy and postnatal recovery because yep. I just want to ask you as an elite um, athlete, how exposed are you to pelvic health issues in your world? Because we've we've had the opportunity to speak to um, quite a few um, elite athletes now. And it seems that there's very limited exposure to pelvic health issues. Um, And I just would be, I'd love to hear your experience when you were a triathlete. Um, I'm I'm presuming you didn't have any pelvic health issues, but did any of your colleagues have pelvic health issues and were they openly talking to you about them and were they able to seek treatment for those issues?
2: Um, Yeah, when I I, I was a, a triathlete, I never, yeah, I would never have, had any advice on pelvic health i don't think it was um yeah i don't think no one was having children at that time either when mm. i was as an athlete so I, i'm not sure about anyone else um if, in terms of of having children however um, in terms of just like normal pelvic health then yeah i wouldn't have had a clue of who to have spoken to because we had a sports doctor but he just specialise in 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 our injuries more than anything, uh, and he was very good. But yeah, more more in injuries, and also I think um, with with our squad it was heavily male orientated, so I think like a lot of the the female triathletes might have been a bit like a bit afraid of anything to to speak up about things like that because I know. Um, a lot of us um, struggled um, with reds as athletes, and that was a massive thing. And that was something that I felt very uncomfortable talking about to all the male staff at the time. I know it's way way more spoken about now. So if it was to happen now, I'd feel more confident about it because it's more well known. But but at the time, about five five or six years ago, it was. It no one knew. It was. It was fine. Like it was, it was acceptable in the, in the athlete world. So, um, it's just like little, little things like that, that, um, yeah, at that time I wouldn't have known who to talk to. Whereas now there's just social media has a massive influence and everything. And there's so many more, um, more people that, you know, to talk to and, and not be afraid to speak up about your problems
1: yeah, that's a massive one you've mentioned because red stands for relative energy deficiency in sport, and it's really an an energy imbalance where you're expending or putting out more energy than you're taking in and athletes particularly high performance athletes particularly females men can get it too but particularly females are highly at risk of it because of just the nature of our bodies and our systems and then it can significantly impact on our menstrual health our bone health so you often hear of there's been famous athletes who have entered red and ended up getting like multiple stress fractures and it's all linked and it if you think if something's negatively impacting your body in that way it it needs to have the focus that it now has thankfully um but i'm it's interesting because a lot more athletes are having babies and becoming moms and returning to high performance sport and add pregnancy and delivery potential of breastfeeding different variables like that in and we know that postnatal is high risk for reds so i think it's a really important topic to raise and um like looking back now Obviously, those situations where you you may have been exposed to it or your your fellow athletes may have been exposed to it. Do you think you should have been flagged for that and that should have been addressed at that time, but it wasn't maybe?
2: Yeah, because personally, I, I I struggled with it for, I didn't have a period for about seven or eight years, which is massive. Um, and when it came to me retiring and um wanting to have children I was terrified that I was I'd done all that damage because at the time when I was ready to have children it was way more spoken about and all these people coming out with and admitting that they had it um and having problems and I was petrified that I'd done all this damage to my body and luckily I never got injured um I I must have really strong bones um but I was yeah so worried that I wasn't going to be able to get Pregnant um, and carry a child, but luckily my periods did come back, um, and it's something now that I'm hugely aware about, and I would never allow my body to be put under that much um, stress for me not to have the periods again because I know how important it is. Um, but at the time, yeah, I it, you speak to the doctors and it, it, they say, "Oh, it's you're doing a lot of exercise. It's 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 normal, but it's not normal." and People do need to speak up about it and not be afraid to talk about it because, and um, people can help you. And um, there is a lot of people that in that I've had have been in that situation and and can give you
1: advice on it. Heather, with your situation, do you think it was strictly down to the training volume, or were you restricting diet as well along with your at that time?
2: I think I was very very lean, um, but at the same time, I think just the stress of my body going through so we were doing like 30 plus hour weeks of training and, and trying to get enough um, food in was actually quite difficult because you're doing so much exercise. You could, you could, you were always in calorie deficit. So it was so, so, so difficult. And I think it didn't happen to everyone. Um, but I know a lot of us did struggle with it. Um, but I know now that the, like, um, coaches and they're all so much more aware of it and speak about it more to other athletes and, and don't allow it to happen anymore
1: good
3: I think that's the same when it comes to pelvic health issues as well because we do see that there is there are a lot of women that are leaking um during their sports um before they've had children and you've hit the nail on the head in that again athletes haven't felt comfortable discussing those issues with coaches but we are seeing slowly that more and more education is being offered, not just to women to say this is common, but it's not normal, so it needs addressing, but also to coaches um, and to the medical team that that pelvic health issues are going to happen and that, that that they can be treated as well. So, I hope I hope athletes listening would would feel that they could speak to coaches or even just their GPs about this now and get it addressed. Because there comes the question as well, if those injuries, which effectively pelvic floor dysfunction is, if those those injuries are addressed, would that not improve potentially their performance as well? So I do think in some ways it's quite exciting that the more we talk about this and get these issues addressed, you know how much benefit this is going to give to female athletes not just for their own health and well-being but also for their performance so I think I think and hope over the next few years we're going to really see this this area expand and and be really well researched and investigated because because we owe it to our athletes not just female athletes but men as well we owe it to our athletes to be considering the whole body and not just not just the parts that 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 work when you're when you're doing the sport that you're doing. Tell us, so you haven't gone back to um triathlons. Um you've 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 retired now from that sport. That's I'm i right in saying that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm just running now. I think um time-wise running fits a lot better um alongside the boys than um than triathlon training did. Um so yeah, I'm back I'm back just running now and and I'm, i i would say i am quite fit now which i never thought a few months ago i'd ever i'd be ever saying which is really good but um and i'd love to be able to maybe compete um if any races do come up anytime soon um i'd love to just compete um like quite high really if i can again um but, but i'm enjoying it that's the main thing um i go out, out the door every day and, and i just love what i do so um, I think whilst i'm I'm loving it and enjoying it I'll carry on doing it
1: Well that sounds amazing that actually is inspiring me to want to get back running properly again. I love yeah. that's the biggest thing it's exercise should be an enjoyable activity oh um, yeah and you, so, go, you yeah. go out
2: the door and the, you come back feeling like I, I go in the mornings because it just fits around my my um, boys the best and you come back and you you, you feel like you've just started the day and you're happy and you've just released all those endorphins and it's just such a good start to the day
1: well there that's a cell of exercise if i've ever heard one (laughs) himself um heather we'd be really interested for you to give us your top three tips or pointers that you'd like to give to anyone listening to this today so my tips
2: so seek the advice the best advice you could get down download or buy or however you get you um, your, your, your um, what? It, the
1: running what, guidelines, not, the return to running guidelines. Yeah, we'll put a link to it. them. They're yeah. free. So we'll put a link to them in the show notes. Um, Emma's book will be out. And yeah, there's other things. We'll put links to things in the show notes.
2: Yeah. But if I'd had that, then yeah, that would have been so much easier for me. I think listen to your body. That's the, one of the, the biggest things. You might see other people ready at six weeks. You might not be ready for 12, like, or three or four months even you just everyone's different and you've got to listen to your own body um and finally believe in yourself because you might feel that it's never going to be possible to ever get back to either if it's just simple walking or if you like to go to the gym on the bike or do an exercise class and you just can't see yourself ever doing it again then just believe in yourself because I never thought I would and it's taken me quite a while and but I've never stopped wanting it and never stopped believing in myself. So, and you find you do, you will get there.
1: That's wonderful. And that really highlights um, what Emma and I were actually talking on a debate, a debate this week about um, it's, Really comes down to the individual, and no two people. There's no right or wrong time to resume to your baseline exercise. It really depends on your situation and all the variables. And looking at women within a whole system, as Emma's mentioned already, that's been wonderful. I really enjoyed that talk. I think I speak for Emma and I when I say that. And we've really appreciate you coming on and sharing your experience because it's going to help so many women. And yeah, I, I love hearing your story and I love hearing about the twins. And yeah, oh, thank you're really, you so you're much. Lovely for... example of motherhood.
2: Oh, thank you're you awesome. so much. And I, I do hope I can help a few people because um yeah, if it gets some more people out there doing what they love doing, then that's that's the main thing.
1: Thanks so much, Heather. Yeah, thank you thank so much, Heather. Thanks. Thank Bye. you.
0: Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please do leave us a review on your podcast platform if you're enjoying the podcast. Please also get in touch via social media. You can find us on Twitter at your cervix underscore PM, on Instagram at your cervix underscore the podcast, or of course you can email us on at your cervix, the podcast at gmail.com. If you're a healthcare professional and keen to learn more about diastasis recti, then I'd highly recommend Gronia's new courses, which include the Diastasis Revolution, an evidence-based evaluation and management. Or if you think you have a diastasis recti and want to understand a little more about it, you can purchase her Diastasis Patient eBook. Both are available at www.absolute.physio. Of course, we always recommend that you seek professional health. And there are some super amazing pelvic health physiotherapists nationwide. Speak to your GP for a referral via the NHS, or of course you can access them privately. We're really looking forward to catching up with you next week for more chats around pelvic health. This is Emma and Gronje, and we are At Your Cervix.